You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, good morning. I'm up giving the message a little bit earlier in the service because the best part, the biggest part, the most exciting part of the service is going to be in the conclusion. And this is what's going to happen. I'm going to teach you from the Bible about baptism. We're going to look at that. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to say, who wants to be baptized? And folks all over this room are going to stand up. None of you are like, no, that's not going to happen. It's going to happen. It just happened. I have a wet leg from just baptizing a whole bunch of people over here and over there. It's been awesome. All campuses, all services today have been full tilt with this, and it's been great to be able to see that. So Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be. If you got a Bible, I want you to turn there with me, and if not, we'll put it on the screen for you so you can look along in Acts chapter 9. We've been talking about Paul, so I'm going to give you some swimming lessons from Paul. So grab your listening guide. There's a lot of stuff in there that we handed you when you came in. And we're going to talk about this. We've been talking about Paul and about how he was Saul and he was killing Christians. He was giving approval and trying to destroy the church. But God showed up. Jesus showed up and he actually was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. He became a Christian. And where we're going to pick up in just a moment, he can't see and a man's going to come and help him to see, and then he's going to be baptized. And we're going to look at the baptism of Paul in just a second. You ever heard of St. Patrick? You know, St. Patrick's Day, right, in March. St. Patrick was actually a real guy in Ireland, amazing Christian guy, and he baptized King Angus. And St. Patrick had this staff and had a very pointy end on it. So when he was baptizing King Angus, he leaned on the staff. It pierced the foot of the king. And so after the baptism, St. Patrick looked down and saw blood all over the foot of the king. And St. Patrick said, King, why didn't you tell me that I stabbed you in the foot? And he said, I thought it was a part of the ritual. (laughs) So he thought you just stab him in the foot and then dunk him in the water. Well, I'm going to tell you and remove a lot of questions about the ritual, so to speak, so that you can understand and we can look into the scriptures and really understand what this thing of baptism is. We have a lot of things we just kind of, well, is it this or is it this or is it that? We're going to talk about who it is. We're going to talk about how it's done and we're going to talk about why it is. And looking at those three things from the scriptures to understand, and I promise you today, we will not stab you in the foot. That is not a part of the program to be able to have. Now, look in Acts chapter 9, if you will, and a man named Ananias has been sent to to Paul. Look in verse 13 is where we're going to start. He's been sent to Paul, and here's what he says. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. He has the authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So God has changed Saul's life. Saul's now Paul. Ananias went and entered the house, and he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, look at it. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after that, he's taken, he, after taking food, he regained his strength. Here's the first thing I want you to see in this passage of scripture. 
I want you to see that baptism was Paul's first priority as a believer. Baptism was Paul's first priority as a believer. You see, here he is. He just had become a Christian on the road to Damascus just a few days after, and he's blinded by the light of Christ. Now he's going to be healed of that, and then he's going to arise and be baptized. And then it says, I think this is real interesting, he was baptized, then he took food. He hadn't eaten in a while, but he didn't get his eyesight and be like, oh, I'm so glad you're here, Ananias. Could you order me? I need a water burger. I need a Papacitos. I need this. I need that. He said, no, I want the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to be baptized. That's the first thing I want to do is I want my priority to be baptism, that I want to follow the Lord. So before food, before his physical needs, he said, I'm going for it with the Lord and I am going to trust in the Lord for baptism. Now, I'm going to tell you this a few times during our time because I really want you to get this. I want you to see the order of what happened. Paul became a Christian. He trusted Jesus as his savior. Then he was baptized. It wasn't that he got baptized to be saved. It wasn't that he was baptized so that he could trust Christ. He trusted Christ. So what does it mean to trust Jesus Christ as your savior? Jesus is God's son. He came to planet earth. He lived a sinless life. You and I have not lived a sinless life. He died on a cross to pay the price for us so that we could place our trust in Jesus and pray and ask him to forgive our sins, to wash us clean, that his resurrection would be our resurrection to heaven. So he trusts in Jesus as the Savior. Have you placed your faith in Christ as your Savior? Not are you a nice person, not do you go to church, not if you listen to Christian songs every once in a while, not whatever. Have you prayed and said, Jesus, I want to exchange your righteousness for my sin. I'm laying my sin at the cross and I'm taking your righteousness on me. It was his first priority as a believer because he had trusted Christ now he was taking the next step of being baptized. So it asks the question of this, who in the Bible is baptized? Is it babies or believers? Is it babies or believers? Now, our friends that believe in infant baptism, they're trying to connect with the, uh, the circumcision of the Old Testament to identify with the people of God there, to then connect here as an infant with the people of God in the New Testament. Or some may say it's because a household was saved in the scripture, so there must have been infants in there somewhere. So it's just a couple of thoughts of what the belief is on that. But let me ask you a question. Who's baptized? When we see it in the book of Acts, I'm going to show you numerous times. Is it babies? Or we see with Paul, a believer. Is it someone's decision for you? Or is it your decision before the Lord? Now, I was baptized as a baby. As a little bitty baby, I was baptized. Let me show you the picture. This is my baptism right here. That's my mom looking so pretty, my dad there, and Father Dubois, okay, in Acadiana Parish in Louisiana. I was baptized in a bowl of gumbo, okay, is what it was. <laughs> and so when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior at 16, I prayed and asked Christ to forgive my sins, and I placed my faith, my personal faith, in the cross and resurrection of Jesus as a teenager. I was really nervous of what my family's response may be. Would they see that as a disrespect to my heritage? Would they see that as a disrespect that I was giving to them? How would they perceive it? And this is the way that, that I explained it, not quite as eloquent as a teenager, but I said this, building upon their desire for me to be in the church, I'm choosing on my own volition 
to be a part of what God's doing, right? Another way to put it is this. I appreciate my heritage, but I'm making a personal decision about my future. See? And so I knew in my heart and studying the scriptures and looking that, yes, I was grateful. That was great. That was fine. But I wanted to follow through because now I had trusted in Jesus as my Savior. And I wanted to follow through in what's called believer's baptism because that's what we see all throughout the scriptures is we see believers, not babies. You'll never see an infant baptism in the Bible. And so I wanted to follow through on that and to walk with that. So is it for babies or is it for believers? Well, I was baptized as a teenager and I was also baptized as a baby because I knew it was after salvation by my own decision for me to be able to trust in Jesus and then walk in that next step of baptism. Not to become a Christian, not to become a part of the church. That's through salvation in Christ. But to identify and say that I belong to him. It's an outward expression of an inward change. Now let's ask the question, that's the question who, let's ask the question how, how? What's, what's the biblical way to be baptized? The Greek word, it's in your listening guide for you to put it in a little blank, is the word baptizo, baptizo. Now there's a Greek word for pouring, there's a Greek word for sprinkling, but we never see that Greek word used for baptizing. We always see baptizo, which is the Greek word for immersion, to immerse. Remember that Jesus was also baptized as an adult. He never really became a believer. He was always him. But as an adult, he was baptized by John and he was baptized by immersion. Now let's look, thinking about this from a historical context. How else would this word baptizo be used in a historical context? Well, there in your listening guide, Josephus, a first century um, historian, he used it to sink a ship. That's how he would describe a ship that had been sunk, baptizo. It's under the water. Then you look at Plutarch in the first century. He used this word to be over your head and ears in debt. Now, that's a sermon for another day, okay? We'll, we'll get to that one later. He used it to be over your head and ears in debt. You look at Plato in the fourth and fifth century. It was to immerse something in wine, they would use it in the culture. They would use it to dip a cloth into dye, that you would put it all the way down in the dye, and then you would bring it out, and it would be different. That's how you would dye a cloth. You would immerse it, and you would pull it out. That's how they would use this word. So it wasn't the Greek word for sprinkling or pouring. It was always the Greek word for immersion. And so to immerse is the how of what it is. So what have we seen? We've seen the, the who. It's a believer. We've seen the how, it's through immersion. Now let's ask the question of why. Why would you be baptized? Why would a person be baptized? Well, is baptism significant symbolism or is it for salvation? Is baptism significant? And I want you to get that word. It's significant symbolism or is it for salvation? Well, all throughout the scriptures, you see a person becoming a Christian trusting Jesus as Savior, then they were baptized. And so it's not for salvation, it's very significant symbolism. Let me show you a verse of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, we'll put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. This is Paul that we're reading about his baptism. We've been learning about the last couple of weeks. We're going to study the book of Romans that he wrote. Here's what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize. 
Okay, interesting. But to preach the gospel. He separated the gospel and baptism. Do you see it? Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Meaning, I don't want to do it so slick that people are like, oh, it's because of you. I want God to move through me. When I'm weak, He's strong. And so he says, if you go back to verse 17, the very beginning of it, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to earth to die in your place and my place. That's the good news. Baptism is not a part of the gospel. It's an expression of the gospel. It's a representation. It's significant symbolism. The gospel is Jesus Christ, God's son, came to planet earth, lived a sinless life. And for you and me that didn't live a sinless life, we can trust in his death on the cross and ask him to be our savior. This is the second time I've told it to you now. To ask Jesus Christ to wash your sins away, to live in your heart, to wash you clean. Doesn't matter what church you go to, doesn't matter if you're a good person or not, it's Jesus changing your life through salvation by the cross and the blood and the resurrection. Now, this is significant symbolism, significant. Jesus left us with the Lord's Supper and baptism. It's a big deal, but it's not for salvation. Now, this is my wedding ring. Kelly and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary this Tuesday, this last Tuesday, just a few days ago. Yeah, cheer for us on that. Man, awesome 25 years. Great 25 years, best 25 years of my life. So this is my wedding ring. It hasn't come off my finger for much on, uh, you know, for, for 25 years. But let me ask you a question. If I take this wedding band off, am I still married? Yes. But this wedding band symbolizes my identification with Kelly as my wife. I belong to her. She belongs to me. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change, and it's identifying, very important, very significant, identifying that I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. So it's identification. It's not getting saved. It's not for salvation, but it's the next step after salvation. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We'll get there in like three months, okay? So just hear it now. But Romans 6, verse 4, here's what it says. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. That's you going underneath the water, buried with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, coming out of the water, by the glory of the Father, so too we may walk in the newness of life. So we even say in baptism, baptisms around here, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 4 is what that is. It is symbolic of you going in me, going into the water like the grave, and then resurrected from the grave, different and changed. Isn't that incredible? And so when you look at old churches, like way, way old, first, second, third, fourth, fifth century churches, you'll find a baptistry that'll hold enough water for folks to be immersed in that. It is symbolic of the salvation that you have received in Jesus. Here's how early Christians would use this, a Latin word actually for baptism. And they would use it uh, for a Roman soldier's oath of absolute devotion and obedience to his general. So it was used as a Roman soldier's oath of absolute obedience, that he's identifying, that's my general. So what do we do? We're identifying 
I belong to Jesus. We're identifying he's my general. He's the one that's in charge of my life. He's my Lord. He's the one that's guiding my life. So the who, is it babies or believers? Believers. The how, baptizo, by immersion. The why, by significant symbolism after salvation. Now, let me give you some examples of this in just a second. Let me say this. Salvation, by all that we've said, salvation is then, salvation, excuse me, salvation, then baptism is clearly seen in the book of Acts. If I presented that case to you, I'm going to hit it five more times here, uh, six more times actually from scriptures to show you that. In the book of Acts, the book of Acts, if you're not familiar with your Bible, is the early church. It's the first century church. So we're getting as close as we can to the resurrection of Jesus. And so here we have the early church. In the early church, I'll show you, it's salvation. They come to Christ, then they're baptized, okay? Let's look at at this. I'll give you a few along the way. They're all in your listening guide. I was so nice to you. I didn't even give you a blank. They're all written down so you can look at them at home if you want to. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41, a crowd of 3,000, it's the beginning of the Christian church, 3,000 are come to Christ and are baptized. It says, repent for the forgiveness of your sins and be baptized. So repentance is, Lord, I know that I've sinned and you have not sinned. You lived a sinless life. And I repent of those sins. I lay them at the foot of the cross and I trust you, Jesus, that you will forgive my sins. We lay our sin down for his righteousness. We lay our mistakes down, the things we've chosen to disobey God for his grace. My friend, that is the gospel. That is great news. That's like changing a rock for a million dollars. Amazing. And so repent, give your former life to the cross and allow Jesus to change your life. Then be baptized. Chapter 8, verse 13, Simon is baptized. In chapter 8, verse 13, even Simon himself believed and after he was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed and observed all the signs and great miracles that were being performed. Then chapter 8, further along in verse 35, Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, he proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with the scriptures. And as they were traveling along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would prevent me from being baptized? So he understands who Jesus is and receives Christ. Then he says, look, there's some water. What would prevent me from being baptized? And let me tell you a funny story about this passage. I was in seminary and I was... Southwestern, it's in Fort Worth, an extension uh, program at Houston Baptist University. So I would go to HBU most of the time, a couple of classes up there. But most of the time I would drive to HBU and I would go to a seminary uh, and I'd do all my courses on Monday. And so there I am sitting in a seminary class, a bunch of, you know, wannabe preachers in there, we're studying and all this stuff. And so here we are and these guys raised their hand. They said, sir, to the teacher, can I make a little announcement? And uh, the teacher said, sure. And so these guys raised their hand and they said, hey, in just a minute, we're going to, after our class, we're going to break for lunch, and we've got an ice chest that our church has made filled with sandwiches, and we're going to go to this bridge over here, and there's some homeless guys living underneath it, and we're going to feed the homeless guys. If anybody would like to go, let us know. So I was like, I'd like to go. I've never done that before. That sounds like, that'd be amazing. So I go with these guys. I get there. We take the ice chest. We come underneath the bridge. We say, hey, guys, we brought you some food. Thought you might like some food. So we're sitting here having a bologna sandwich on an ice chest. I'm sitting on this ice chest. I'm talking to this homeless gentleman. And as I'm sharing with him, I get the opportunity to lead him to Christ. How amazing. 
So just as I've been talking to you, I say, would you like to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? He died on the cross for you. He rose again from the grave, and he can wash you clean, and you can be saved right now. Would you like to pray and ask Jesus to forgive your sins? And he said, I would. I said, well, this is amazing. This is great. Okay, good. And so we, he bowed his head, and we prayed, and he prayed the sweetest prayer. I prayed for him, and then he looked up, and his eyes just were like glimmering. It was, it was awesome. And I said, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. And then at that moment, I started hearing Acts 8, 36. There's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And I'm looking at the bayou, and I'm like, dear God, no. Please, no. I've already come here today to feed people. I mean, haven't I done enough today? Send me back to the classroom, Lord, to study about you. I don't want to do this. No, Lord, no, Lord. Until finally I said, okay, I got to be obedient. I just got to do this. And so I, with the sweetest voice, I leaned forward and I said, sir, you know, the next step after you become a Christian is to be baptized. And if you would like, I'll baptize you in the bayou. And he looked at me and goes, are you crazy? (laughs) Do you know what's in that water? And I was like, oh, praise the Lord. I got out of it. Thank you, God. You know, sometimes obedience is fun. Sometimes when God lets you off the hook, it's even better, right? But that was the verse of scripture right there. And then the the guy that was with us, he said, look, our church will take care of it later. Don't worry about it. So I was like, but Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right there, baptism happened. Acts chapter 9, verse 18, I just showed you Paul before he ate was baptized. Acts chapter 16, verse 14 and 15, a lady named Lydia, an amazing woman of God. Study this woman, Lydia, ladies, and men as well. Amazing lady. And she is baptized. How amazing. Acts chapter 16, uh, further on in, the, in that chapter, Paul and Silas lead their jailer to Christ. And then he takes them home and they share Jesus with his entire family and they're all baptized. How amazing. But here's what we see in this. You ready? We see in the book of Acts that all baptisms were after salvation, by immersion, and spontaneous. And spontaneous. All of them were after salvation, they were by immersion, and they were spontaneous. Those people didn't know this was going to happen. And when they realized this is what they were supposed to do, they said, okay, today's the day. Today may be your day to be baptized. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, I, I didn't come planning on being baptized. I wasn't planning on this. I mean, I, I, what am I going to do? Go home wet? You weren't planning on it, but we were planning on it for you. We got everything you need. We got shirts. We got shorts. We got towels. We got undergarments. We got hair dryers. We got curling irons. We got everything you need to remove every excuse, and you get to keep it all. We don't want it back, okay? That's great. Yeah. Now, we do want the hair dryers back, but you get to keep all the other stuff. You weren't planning on it, but maybe God was. Maybe God was. You take that step of obedience. Can you think of a better place than right here? Can you think of a better time than right now? Can you think of a better moment than this very moment? Your heart's beating a little faster maybe even right now. 
I promise you, you will not be alone. In just a minute, I'm going to blow you away because I'm going to tell you, who, those of y'all that want to be baptized, you stand up and come and get baptized. We've got some that have already planned on it and they're going to stand up and others are going to stand up and you're going to go, wow, we're going to cheer for those people. We are ready. We're going to sing a couple songs in just a minute so that folks can get changed and then we're going to get after it. It's going to be awesome. We got a baptistry here. We got a baptistry up here and we got a baptistry down here. And we're going to have three of them moving. Just boom, 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 boom. It's going to be awesome. And in the book of Acts, it is after salvation, by immersion, and it's spontaneous. We are ready for you. We got your size, I promise. It's going to be great. Now, let me ask you three personal questions. I wrote them down at the bottom of your listening guide. So you just know that we planned this, we prayed for this, we've thought about this. Three personal questions. Number one, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? That's the first thing we're going to ask you in just a few moments when you go to this door or this door. We're going to ask you, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Tell us about that. Why? Because we don't want you to be confused. This is a very important thing. This is the most important question you'll ever be asked in all of eternity. Do you know that? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Prayed, as I've told you, trusted his death on the cross, prayed and asked him to save your soul and to come into your heart and to be your Savior? Have you done that? If so, have you followed Christ in believer's baptism? If so, have you followed Christ in believer's baptism? And we're going to help you with that today, and we're going to celebrate that today, and it's going to be awesome, I promise you. But if you've trusted Jesus, I've just shown you through the Scriptures, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, the next step is believer's baptism. I showed it to you in five, seven places in the Scripture. And then number three is God calling you today to follow him in baptism, or even better, to come to Christ as Savior. We had folks in the earlier service that came to Christ today and were baptized today. It was awesome. So yeah, cheer for that. Is God calling you to follow him in baptism? When I was a teenager, I remember being in church, just as you are today. And something was going on in my heart and my spirit. And I wasn't really sure what it was. I was like, I'm already a Christian. I, I, I trusted Jesus as my Savior uh, just, just a few months ago. What, what's going on? What's going on? And I talked to my student minister. I said, I don't know what's happening. He said, Greg, God's calling you to be baptized. You pray and say, Lord, is that you? And then when you sense that, you come. And the next opportunity I had, I came running in my heart, not literally, but running in my heart. In our church, it was down the aisle at that point. And I knew that's what God wanted me to do. And maybe that's you today. You just follow Jesus. You follow Jesus and let God do his work in you. So have you trusted Christ as Savior? Have you followed him in believer's baptism? Is today your day? Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna pray. And if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to repeat right after me and ask Jesus to be your Savior. And then I'm going to boldly, with everybody sitting, I'm going to say, today, if you're ready to be baptized, I want you to stand up. And people are going to stand up. And here's what's going to happen. When you stand up, you're going to either walk to that door. we got folks over there. Or walk to this door. we got folks over there. And when you stand up and you make that walk, we're going to cheer. That's what's going to happen. And then we're all going to stand up. And we're going to worship for a couple songs while people change clothes. And then we're going to see these waters get filled with people. It's going to be incredible. Father, we come in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for the Bible that explains so clearly that we're able to see it so clearly, God. 
And so we want to just be able to trust you as Savior if that's what needs to happen in this moment. Or to take that step of baptism. Father, we want to obey you. What better place than right here in church? What better moment than right here in this time? What better time than right now? Speak to our hearts, Lord. If you don't know for sure that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. It's not a magic rabbit's foot kind of prayer. It's with the whisper of your lips and the sincerity of your heart. You got to mean it from your soul. This is between you and God. But if you'd like to know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to just pray a phrase and you just pray after me. and You trust him, place your faith in him. That's the most important thing that can happen. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Pray this with me. Jesus, I know that I have sinned and done things wrong. I place all my trust in you as the Savior. Save my soul and forgive my sins. By your grace, wash me clean. I place all my faith in you alone. Save my soul and live in my heart. If you prayed that, Jesus changed your life. That was the inward change. Now for those that need that outward expression of baptism, to identify, to say publicly, like a wedding ring, He's my king. Would you pray and say, Lord, give me the courage to follow you in believer's baptism. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.